You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. So me and Trent go way back. Actually, the first time that I met him, he wrestled one of my best wrestlers at Basie Western, Noah Shaner, who was a three-time All-State wrestler for us and a four-time state qualifier and was a state champion his junior year and placed top three his uh, sophomore through senior seasons. And uh, him and Noah had, or him and Trent had some pretty good matchups and everything else there. So, and throughout the years after Trent had um, graduated and has done some things, wrestled the collegiate level and officiated, uh, we've been connecting with each other, even had an opportunity to work out with Noah's brother, Victor, getting him ready for his state finals match against Kevon Davenport and really appreciate the time and effort that you put into him and uh, our buddy from Shepherd who ended up winning the state title that year. So, yeah, Noah was tough, man. I had a I had a great time scrapping back and forth with him. I actually I think he got the best of me. Uh, we wrestled three times and I only got him once, and that was at regionals uh, about a week after he beat me for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was very interesting because I, I want to say the first two times you guys wrestled, he majored you if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, uh, uh, and then in the third place match at regionals, you guys, uh, you know, you're wrestling. It was a tighter match, and I want to say you hit a headlock or head and arm or something like that to win the match. Oh, I I'm ashamed to say it, but that is exactly what I caught him in. <laughs> um, it's funny. I actually got John Martin over at my house right now. And uh, John was wrestling Ian Parker while I was wrestling that match in the finals. And uh, John actually knocked himself out also trying to throw a headlock as weird mm-hmm. as that sounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and you were on some, some great teams. And then um, the other connection is your older brother, Seth wrestled one of our, uh, one of our two time state qualifiers, uh, Blake Jackson, and uh, always had tough matches with him. So it's kind of you see this kind of family connection, and, and you wrestling for or for Coach LaJoy for most of your career until you uh, went over to St. John's and started wrestling for Coach Phillips, another amazing coach in our sport. But I don't want to take up too much time. Tell me how you got involved in this great sport of wrestling. Uh, it actually started when I was as small as I could walk. My my dad was just a high school wrestler, you know, nothing crazy, and he. He, he just wanted me to play all types of sports, and wrestling was one of them that he did when he was younger. So um, I started getting into the wrestling room, and you know I never really took it too serious. Um, it was just it was a main sport I played, but I would show up to the local tournaments up north, which are much different than the my way tournaments. You know, you get paired up in a round robin, and and you don't know who you're going to wrestle. The coaches would just kind of pair it up a little different. It wasn't like entering the my way brackets now where you're in a weight class and you're going up against whoever is good enough to beat you in that class. You know, you're matched up based on years of experience back then. And uh, I used to actually show up to all the tournaments with a Mohawk (laughs) and we would have a different color of, you know, temporary hair color. Uh, Right. I would put that in my Mohawk. So some days I'd have a white Mohawk. Some days I'd have a red green. And, you know, it's something I look back on and I think it's hilarious. Um, definitely not something I'd be brave enough to do today. <laughs> but right. that's how I got into it. I, I uh, wrestled at Boyne City originally uh, until my second grade. Then I transferred to Gaylord and wrestled there all the way through my freshman year. And when I was in middle school at Gaylord, 
that's when things really started to pick up. I became good friends with uh, Dominic LaJoy and John Martin. Uh, we were doing flips in the summer, and, and when we were done flipping and on the beach or trampoline, we'd go into the wrestling room, and we would go at war with each other. And uh, I credit those guys for kind of bringing me in, and they're the ones that I kind of give the most credit to getting me into the sport because, you know, I was just kind of doing it for fun, met those guys, and, you know, they took me down this road, so – well, hats off to them. I mean, Dom LaJoy, four-time uh, state uh, finalist, three-time state champ, uh, wrestled at Cornell. Does he is he done this year? Because I didn't, you know, with COVID, those wrestlers had an additional year, so I didn't, I couldn't remember if he has an additional year or not. There. Well, I think Dom's going to be done because of his body before he's done mm-hmm. because of school. He's got eligibility uh, two or three years yet. Um, I think he, I think two. And he's got one year left at Cornell. Obviously, you're not going to be at Cornell for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. You know, he's he's gone through quite quite the uphill battle with injuries throughout his career. But yeah. you know, last year he looked pretty good and um, made it to the NCAA's, and we were able to watch him there in the Cornell suite. So yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, tough wrestler, tough wrestler, and and John Martin also equally tough. Uh, ended up wrestling for Central Michigan, if I remember correctly. Yep. So a lot, a lot of good hammers in that in that Gaylord group. Um, well, I look up to Jerry LaJoy. He's a father figure to me. Um, and I, I think that kind of goes just as far as the coaching goes, in my opinion. Um, I talked about how Dom and John brought me in into their little their group where we started training. And as soon as they asked me to come over, and they had this kickball game they'd play called boss ball. Um, <laughs> as soon as they asked me to come over uh, – that's when, you know, I I had a new dad and, you know, my dad wasn't really there for me a lot of my life. So having a father figure in my life who, you know, he, he treated me like his kid. He didn't treat me like an athlete. You know, he made sure he held me accountable for everything I did pretty much from that day forward. And that's the biggest thing. When I look back on LaJoy, it's, it's not all the technique. Um, it's just that guy who holds you accountable and you know, you can trust for anything. And when you have somebody like that in your corner, uh, you're going to pretty much do whatever it takes to not let that person down. And I think that drove me a long ways uh, along with competing alongside my older brother. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool to have an opportunity, you know, as a coach seeing, you know, I had twins and like the Shaner twins, but I'm just saying like seeing brothers compete or be on the same team, that was always a very fun dynamic because they usually are the hardest workers and they usually push each other, but they also, they get a little gritty and they want to fight each other because they see each other every day. And now they're in a combative sport like wrestling, which just increases all the testosterone, you know? Oh yeah. I, uh, like I said before, it was John and Dom, you know, they were kind of brothers to me too. So we always between John, Dom and my older brother, Seth, um, there was always an argument going on and we took it out on each other on the mat. And, you know, there's a couple of specific scenarios that we could look back on. And I think all four of us know exactly which ones that we can look back on. That one made us better at wrestling. Mm-hmm. And we were scrapping over something probably really stupid. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so after your freshman year, you go to St. John's and you get another great coach and Derek Phillips, what was that like being being coached by Coach Phillips? 
Uh, well, it was actually, it was a really weird scenario when I first got there. Um, a lot of the guys were training up at Massa's and, um, they, they were wrestling right at the high school practice and then go to Massa's right after. And, you know, I was able to really recognize pretty much right off the, the rip that coach Phillips really knows what he's talking about with technique. And he's a funky guy, kind of like my style too. So, um, when I first got there, the the respect wasn't always there between the other guys and Coach Phillips, and I struggled to figure that out. And I, I determined it's because Coach Phillips is a really mature guy, and I think that's why a lot of other coaches really respect him. And some of the guys before me maybe weren't weren't so mature, and so they'd get into practice and they knew they had another practice to go to, and they actually wouldn't take the first one so serious. Um, you know, my class and the class ahead of me they really turned that around, but coach, coach Phillips knows what he's doing. And I think he had some really successful teams and, and maybe didn't get all the credit that he deserved for keeping those guys under control for a while. But once he got a good group of guys with Ian Parker, James Whitaker, Brett Fidewa, Emilio Sanchez, we all got on that room and, you know, we would practice hard for two hours and then go practice hard another two hours. And, you know, having all the different coaches in your career, it, it really adds up. You know, you're not just taking one move from each guy. You know, you're taking an entirely different style of wrestling from each type of person. Um, my favorite type of guys are the ones I can bounce technique questions off of because, you know, I might annoy some coaches because I ask too many questions. <laughs> um, that's just a, that's just the person I am, and that's how yeah. I really learn and dive really deep in the technique that way I can really understand how it works. Um, so with coach Phillips, there's always, always time in practice where, you know, you, you're not just busting your butt. You're able to sit there and ask him a question and really evaluate why something works and why it doesn't. And, and we're pretty good at breaking technique down together and, um, you know, not just saying, Oh yeah, that's cool. You know, I like that because this, or are you sure about that? Cause I don't know if that would work because of this. Right. Right. The, the, the communication aspect of it and really being able to work side by side with your athlete to determine the best course of action and certain techniques and positions and scenarios in those matches. Oh, definitely. And, uh, you know, it translates when you start officiating and coaching you start to really understand those positions a lot different than you did when you were just a hardworking athlete in high school. Right. Right. It's, it's definitely, um, cause I had my foray into officiating for over like 10 years between freestyle Greco and folk style. And I think it, it makes you a better coach. It makes you understand, um, what to argue and really when to just keep your mouth shut, because if you're going by the letter of the law of the rule, that's what was supposed to happen. Well, I definitely think every coach should officiate at some point in their life and not as a punishment. Uh, some people may think I'm saying that as like a punishment. Maybe you should go try it in their shoes. And, you know, that's not the case at all. You spend one year in the stripes, you're going to learn a ton. And those guys that really know the rule book, they're a lot better coaches than the guys that don't. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. Throughout your high school, you won so many matches, you played four times, which is pretty rare. Um, 
what would you say was the the biggest influence that made you keep coming back um, after not particularly achieving your goal, quote unquote, of being a state champion? Well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect to all state my freshman year. I came into my sophomore year and, you know, I obviously I want to do better than the year before, but at the same time, um, I had pretty realistic goals. I, I knew how hard I worked and how fresh I was still. Um, then I had expectations of winning state titles my junior and se- senior year. And, you know, once you make it there the first time, my, my junior year, I was full of nerves. It was, uh, it was pretty intense, you know, just not feeling like yourself that entire, it's a long time between that semifinals match and actually wrestling in the finals the next day at what, seven o'clock. Right. Um, that whole day of nerves there, um, you know, I'd like to say they probably got the best of me the first time and second time around, I was wrestling a very familiar guy that I'd wrestled many times. And, uh, I think I actually tried so hard to push those nerves away that I, I just wasn't so focused. Um, you know, I, I like to laugh on it now cause it's honestly the only thing I can do other than <laughs> use it to motivate me. But, right. uh, the guy who beat me in the state finals, my senior year, I'd wrestled him. I think we're three and three against each other in our careers. And we'd wrestled twice, uh, three times, three times that my senior year before the state finals. So it was four total times my senior year that we wrestled. Um, I beat him twice the first week of season, once on the Wednesday and once on the Saturday. Um, and then wrestling at Goodrich and it was kind of high scoring match. And I think he got me by two or three points and then state coming into the state finals. Uh, he wrestled, this is Luke Raskowski from Parma Western. Yeah. He wrestled uh, Avery Mushler from Lowell in the semifinals. And he, uh, I think he ended up pinning Avery. He was losing or it was really close. He ended up pinning Avery with like less than 30 seconds left. I don't know how close it really was, but, uh, Either way, I was pretty confident in who I was going to have in the finals. And once it's a guy you've wrestled that many times, it's like, you know what to do. So I pushed so many nerves off that I didn't really focus on what I needed to do, even though I already knew what I needed to do. So mm-hmm. I got out there and and anybody that's wrestling the state finals can probably attest. It's it's not like any ordinary match. And, you know, I, I like to uh, think that some of the really high level guys, they're they're just trained to be in that moment and they know how to handle it. And at that point in my career, I, I don't think I was ready for that moment or, you know, wasn't prepared to handle it the correct way. And um, I think how I mentioned earlier, starting off, not expecting to all state my freshman year and then not really even knowing what my goal was my sophomore year. Um, you know, it, it kind of messed with my head a little while there where, you know, you don't know how confident to be. And if mm-hmm. you're not as confident as you should be, um, you're probably lacking in some areas. And, you know, that's what I look back on. The difference between my college career and my high school career was that confidence. And, and then also knowing how hard you worked. Well, I just worked this hard for this. You know, I better be giving it all for that six minutes. And you can wrestle pretty hard and feel like you gave it your all. But until you actually learn how to give it your all during the matches, um, then you look, that's when you look back and be like, I don't, I don't know if I gave it all my all my entire mm-hmm. career. Right. So that's something I kind of look back on and it's definitely not a regret because, you know, you live your life the way you need to, but um, 
you know, it's something I use every day moving forward is, you know, how, how, how much has it taken you to get to this point? And it's just this short period. What, no matter what it is you're doing, if it's a 12 hour work day, you know, I've gone through 22 years, uh, for this 12 hour work day, I better put it, put everything I got into it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, we're, we're, without a doubt, I think that the wrestling kind of creates that kind of grit and determination. How do we, how do we move forward through things? And then how will we come back from setbacks? And, yeah. uh, after your high school career, you, you went on to wrestle at Alma, correct? Yep. I actually took two years off, um, had aspirations of following my brother's footsteps and becoming a physical therapist, uh, which ended up leading to, uh, me transferring two years in after I got all my, uh, you know, entry level classes done. I switched to Alma and chased a teaching degree in special education. And, uh, now I'm actually working for home pro roofing. So you never know what's going to (laughs) happen. Right. But, uh, definitely, I look back on the state final losses pretty much every day and it motivates me. And I think about how things would be different if I won a state title and as nice as it would have been, I don't, I don't think I would trade my second place for a first place. Right. Right. And how, how it motivates you now. So what gave you the idea you started like a wrestling club in like the shepherd area? There's no freestyle in Greco in Isabel County, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I mean, maybe there's a couple little clubs there, but there's nothing really for the guys that I was coaching at shepherd at the time. There's nothing for them to go to. Um, and I knew how much freestyle and Greco changed my wrestling career. So, you know, I, I didn't have enormous success in freestyle and Greco, but I wanted to give back in the best way I could. And, you know, they had a pretty nice standalone wrestling room they needed to take advantage of it right right and there was a lot of uh, the hammers that were coming through that that i I remember texting you about one of the kids that that wrestled for shepherd's middle school team that was just i don't know he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty good and when he's in high school he's got the i I could tell that you had put your hands on him and molded him into something yep that's micah curtis he's uh he's actually had a pretty enormous impact on my life as well um him and his dad they are very, very good friends of mine, and and they've helped me get through some pretty rough times in my life with my dad passing away, and uh, I owe those guys everything. So that kid trusted me, and um, th- he works harder than any adult I know. So he's going to be a heck of a wrestler and even better man when he grows up. So Yeah, yeah, that's really what it's all about, making them better people in, in the end. Um so you've had in your career some amazing coaches. Uh, we mentioned uh, Jerry LaJoy and Derek Phillips and, and um, gosh, why is his name escaping my uh, – Jeremiah Tobias. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it, 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 can't forget him. Yeah. So sorry, Jeremiah, if I forgot. The, you know what I'm saying? First day of school, my brain is like, rah. <laughs> what would you say are the qualities uh, a good coach needs to, to be successful? Uh, respect is a huge one. You have to respect the wrestlers. You know, you're not there to prove anything to them other than that you care about them and you want them to get better at life and the sport. Um, so respect goes a long way. Um, all these guys that you're listing, I talk to on a daily basis, you know, they're, 
they're friends of mine as well as mentors. So I think that's just a standalone key quality right there is it doesn't matter how much you know about wrestling. If you really care about somebody and you show them respect, uh, that's going to go a long ways. I kind of talked about with Jerry LaJoy how, you know, I, he's a tremendous coach. He knows the rules better than any other coach I've ever had. Um, but at the end of the day, it was, you know, he held me accountable and he showed respect for me when I was in middle school. And I know it's hard for me to sometimes show kids respect who are in middle school. I know you deal with the same thing because you teach, you know, it's hard yeah. to, to get yourself to do that. So when you're a kid and you have an adult like treating you like a man, it, it goes a long way. And that's how you develop. At the end of the day, we all want to develop as coaches, you know, young adults who are serving their communities and being great men more than we care about them winning state titles. And so I think that's, like I said, that's the key component of a coach to me. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Well said in your opinion. So you have people like that aspire to be a head coach. What are some things that they need to put into place to have that long-term success uh, moving forward? Um, I think RJ Boudreaux said it on your podcast is uh, one of your most recent ones uh, you have to be in it for the long haul you know you're not just going to coach somebody up in a year and and make them into a state champ you're not going to make a team a state champ in a year um, you just got to be there for them for a long long time and it takes people a long time to grow up and you're going to notice big jumps year after year and you know just sticking with the, the people you got and keeping everybody close by and no matter what they need, you got to be there for them. And it's a huge sacrifice sometimes, but uh, it, it pays dividends down the road. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just that showing that love and care and um, that, that you're there for them for more than just how good they are as a competitor. Yeah. I mean, if you're coaching wrestling, you already, you already know how to wrestle or you, you should have a pretty good idea of it. So when you're in the practice room, I've had, so many different coaches throughout the years between, you know, going up to MSU and I mean, think about all the camps I've been to all the other coaches I've had, um, you know, the technique, you're going to get a little bit here and there from every guy. And, you know, the practices, how you run a practice is different than how you coach. Um, Cause the coach is pretty much 24 seven. There's no breaks. Practice is only two hours a day. Hmm. So um, you know, if you know how to coach the technique stuff, that'll take care of itself. You'll pick things up from people, you know, you'll pick things up from old coaches you had and then new coaches you become friends with. You're going to, you're going to find little things from each guy and pile that into your arsenal. But the biggest thing is just being there for the long haul. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a year round 24 seven job and, you know, it, it can seem demanding, but you know, if that's, if you're going into coaching, you're doing it for what's to come out of that 24 seven work, not the two hour practice or the six, seven minute match. Well said, well said. My last question for you is about the explosion of women's wrestling right now, especially in the state of Michigan. What are your feelings about that? Especially now that we have uh, our athletes competing at Ford field and how great they're doing in Fargo and things like that. Oh man, it's awesome. I, you know, I, 
I love that they have the opportunity to go out there and compete and, and not just wrestle against, you know, the other boys at the MHSA state tournament. Um, you know, Rachel McFarland and CC Weber, you guys led the way your guys' domination in in the boys competition. That's what initially started sparking all this in my opinion. So uh, hats off to you guys for, for scrapping so hard. Um, and there's there's many people in this this lead and this push for women's wrestling uh, and I, I couldn't name all of them but I, I do recognize all the guys at MWA um, and then another big shout out goes to coach Mario Flores uh, man he had a heck of a summer or the girls had a heck of a summer mm-hmm. and I had they wouldn't have had the opportunity if it wasn't for Mario Flores um, he put so much into the women's wrestling push right now and he's doing great things. I, I actually don't know the exact count. I don't know if you happen to know it, but they had somewhere around seven all Americans at Fargo. Right. Um, that's insane. Um, I think they have somewhere around the same number of girls wrestling at the, who's number one. Mm-hmm. So again, it's that Michigan rev. If you're a, a young lady wrestling, make your way over there because they got some really great things going on. Um, and I talked about Micah Curtis, the, the middle schooler that you were messaging me about, who's hmm. he's a stud. Well, he actually has a older sister who beats him up. Oh um, my gosh! <laughs> she just she just started wrestling last year, and she mm-hmm. made it to the state tournament. It was cool, cool to see her down there on the floor, and you know she. I think she came just I think she took eighth actually um but made the podium and it's just cool to see a girl who never really thought about wrestling before um picks up this sport trains with her older brother in the barn and you know now she's got something to really set herself apart from everybody else and you know it's hard work in this sport goes a long ways and the opportunities there for women's wrestling right now um, both high school and college level and i think we need to continue pushing for it because it's really awesome seeing the fruits of their labor over the last few years here yeah no you you mentioned some uh pioneers and cc and rachel um i remember elena baruby from escanaba and even further back lauren wolf from okimus i mean uh and then you can't the trisha saunders back in the late 80s early 90s i mean this thing has been slowly building momentum and and i really appreciate how between the mhsaa and the michigan wrestling association um and our officials association the way everything came together and and trying to put together and not just rush it but to do it right um i i'm glad that that we took the time to really do it right and i think you saw it pay off at fort field um i have a my youngest daughter wrestles and now she has some people that she can actually look up to and say you know i could be that person i could be wrestling at ford field and, and get to the podium and and have an opportunity to wrestle in college and be an all-american or a national champion if if so be it try to make an olympic team or a world team things like that and to finally see it and if anybody watched the Olympics last summer with uh, the women's wrestling, to me, it was the most exciting. I mean, those those female athletes were getting after it, were aggressive, scoring points. I mean, the way wrestling is supposed to be, you're supposed to be aggressive and go out there and, and, and score points and, and put on a show. And 
it, it's a good thing where we're going. We're going definitely in the right direction uh, moving forward at the middle, at the high school level. And now we can matriculate it down to middle and youth, which you can see that my way had their girls invite state tournament, which was um, well, uh, had a great number of participants at, at the weight classes. I believe USA, uh, Michigan USA wrestling had a girls freestyle and Greco and uh, looking forward to seeing Nimwa if they come up with something like that too, to give these female athletes the opportunity to compete against other females. Yeah, man. I, I spent some time uh, working for New Way and Dave Dean, uh, which who, aside from the point, I can't say enough good things about him, but those girls have their dual teams at those New Way events. And I tell you what, they are the most electric group of girls you're going to find is rest girl wrestlers on a team with each other oh man your ears are ringing when you're roughing the matches because they are screaming cheering on each other uh it's it's really cool to see that you know they sometimes you watch the the boys on their dual teams in the summer half of them like to get on their phone those girls are all invested in every single match and it doesn't matter how close the duel is they are cheering at the top of their lungs for their teammates and it's pretty cool thing to see yeah, yeah, that that connectivity and camaraderie and building memories for for a lifetime, which is what our sport is is all about. So, Trent, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad we finally were able to get this together, and and looking forward to people hearing your story and and continue doing the great things you're doing, working with these young athletes, getting them to where they want to be, whether it's you know placing or winning. But at the end of the day, 20, 30 years down the line, they're really making some some headway as productive citizens of society. That's right. That's how you leave a legacy. Thanks for having me on. No problem, Trent. Take care. Yep. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.